Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for July 3rd, 2007. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined each week by our Orlando team, including Bob Varley, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. This week we'll tell you about the top news stories on the Diz, including the story about the couple that was arrested at the Magic Kingdom last week for child endangerment. In the first of our Christmas in July series, we'll talk about holiday events happening around the various Walt Disney World theme parks. In a special segment for DVC members, we'll talk with Robert Machado from the Timeshare Store. He'll tell us a bit more about Disney Vacation Club and his work in the DVC resale market. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire and listener emails in this week's edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. Now, a couple things before we get started, folks. Uh, first, uh, Julie Martin is not with us this week. Um, her best friend was, was killed last week in a, in a car accident uh, in Louisiana, and uh, she has spent uh, most of the last week dealing with that. So I ask that you keep her and, and uh, family and friends in, the, in your prayers uh, this week. And uh, also we have some unfinished business from last week. We had a, uh, a winner announced last week for our monthly email giveaway. And we were not able to get a hold of him in time for last week's show, but we did hear from him. And his name is Brandon from Kansas City. And Brandon did select his envelope. Now, for those of you not familiar with what we do every month, we take all the emails that we read on our show, and we select one of those emails at random at the end of the month, and that person gets to pick a number between 1 and 30. We have 30 envelopes here in the the studio, and each one contains a prize. Prize can be anywhere from a $25 gift certificate up to a stay at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. We've got park passes in there. We even have a chance to review a restaurant with uh, Kevin Close as one of the prizes. You know they have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, Robert picked, uh, I'm sorry, Brandon picked number 13. And so let's see what Brandon won. Oh, it's a good one. 13, isn't that unlucky? A seven-day Disney Park Hopper Pass with five fun visits. Wow. That's not wow. unlucky. That's a nice... <laughs> that's that's a, nice, a pricey prize. That's a nice prize. Well, congratulations, Brandon. You will have a seven-day Park Hopper Pass courtesy of Dreams Unlimited Travel on its way to you uh, shortly. Isn't Brandon in St. Cloud or something like that? Isn't he local? Or is that no, no, no. That was or... the universal winner. That was the universal winner. Because I was going to say we should have Bob deliver the prize on his cart. No, that was the universal <laughs> winner. Cool. Where does Brandon live? Kansas City. I hope you got a long extension cord. It's going to take me a little bit. Oh, Bob's hybrid cart. So congratulations, Brandon. And I also want to apologize for the delay in getting the show up this week. Uh, that was my fault. I have been uh, I've been pretty much bedridden since last Wednesday, and uh, it was just not possible for us to get the show recorded on Monday when we normally like to. And unfortunately, it happened. So I apologize for any inconvenience, but uh, did our best to get it up as quickly as possible. So, and as someone said, there's a silver lining. Now there's only six days till the next one. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. All right, we're going to move on and do the news story. Uh, our third story this week. Disney is backing down from its lifetime ban on four local students who were ejected last week from downtown Disney after charges were made that Disney's new crackdown policy is nothing more than racial profiling. This according to Central Florida News 13. The four men in question are all football players with Florida State University, and their lifetime bans were changed to a one-year ban from downtown Disney after the family of one of the men called Disney requesting a review of the situation. 
Disney began cracking down a few weeks ago on local teens who have been loitering at downtown Disney. Well, well, one of their fathers is a manager at Disney, and one of their fathers is a civil rights lawyer from Pennsylvania. Yeah, you're just yeah. picking the wrong people again. <laughs> I mean, that may have been a, a reason for that. Well, I mean, look, if they're if they're going up, if, if somebody's congregating there, they're asked what they're doing, and they can't give a, a straight answer. They have a, Disney has a right to ask them to leave. If you're not here to do something like go into a club or go to a restaurant or go see a movie, if you're just hanging around. I, I don't know. They've also showed video on the local television stations. And if you're going to look like a thug and dress like a thug and act like a thug, you're going to be considered a thug. That's what right? I said, you you're know. Right. If it, it's if it walks like a duck, you know. And they're saying that this is working now. They're saying that they've had much fewer incidences and um, there hasn't been that many people who have been – I don't think anyone was approached this last week to be uh, – to be banned so nobody wants to be banned from disney thug or not and know? how do you no. get banned from disney i mean how would someone at blizzard beach know that you were well, banned I from think downtown if we, disney well, let's go wear our jeans down around uh you know down around our crack and go put bandanas on yeah. and I think that uh, falls into the category of not a pretty picture you know oh, spit on tourists as they're walking by a virgin megastore <laughs> And then I think that's probably a good just, way to get not. This is what they. That's okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> you just described our Fourth of July plans. So you know, if you're going to act like that, like you said, you're going to act like that. You're going to dress like that. And hey, guess what? Things are going to happen. And I'm not saying these four guys were doing that. I don't know what these guys were doing if they were doing anything at all. If Disney's being heavy-handed, then good. Somebody's going to come after them. But generally speaking. I'm not. I'm not prepared to say that this policy is racial profiling. Well, I also think to myself, you know what? Disney's selling a product, and ask anybody what they love about Disney. It's the family-friendly atmosphere, the safety, safety feature, and the fact that this might hinder that. I mean, any business is going to protect their product. Yes, yes, and you don't need. They don't need teenagers that have a history of causing problems in the area, loitering around, bothering people who are there on vacation. So, you know, locals are welcome to go there. I go there all the time. I've never been asked to leave. Right. And a lot of these teens are wearing gang colors. Yep. They have the uh, Orange County Sheriff out there, and they know what these gangs are like, and they can spot them hanging around, and they've seen the gang colors. So, Believe me, if it comes out that Disney is, in fact, doing some kind of racially inappropriate profiling um, to target people in this situation, then, yeah, they should be taken out for a walk and left left to hang but i don't know that that's what's going on here i think they're just approaching groups of teenagers that look like they've got nothing else to do except just hang around and that's where the problems have been coming from and that's not what disney wants and they've got a right to say that so it's just like uh at a mall the malls have that same issue that they have to and it's it's a very serious issue millennium mall first opened it's a very upscale mall and just outside of downtown orlando when that first opened um, they got nailed with this racial profiling too, because they were saying to these these groups of kids that were congregating, "No, it's not what we want here." Well, it's also not like they're walking into Bongo's Cuban Cafe and snatching people from tables. These are people who are standing around looking like they've got nothing else to do, as you said. Right, exactly, exactly. So we'll see what. I'm sure it's not the last we're going to hear about any of these stories. I'm sure there'll be more in the weeks to come. So let's move on to the number two story this week. Uh, let's talk about a couple of real rocket scientists here. Uh, a Florida couple is under arrest after reportedly leaving their three-year-old daughter 
sitting in the sun for 45 minutes in her stroller while the couple went on Pirates of the Caribbean at the Magic Kingdom. By the time the parents exited the attraction, their three-year-old daughter was unresponsive and needed to be revived by paramedics. The child has been placed with relatives, and the parents are sitting in the Osceola County Jail, where they should stay. I believe they posted bail. last I heard was they posted bail. Too bad. Too bad. They should never see that child again. They should never see that child again. This was a day we were actually in the Magic Kingdom, and I have to tell you, this day was miserable. 100 degrees easily and 98% humidity and the crowds were so bad to think that anybody would just leave their kid anywhere for a second. Uh How could you take your eyes off a kid for a second? More than that. I mean, the fact that they left a three-year-old unattended, I don't care if it's 40 degrees outside. They should be arrested for just leaving a child unattended right. for 40 minutes. For even, for even taking, putting your back to a kid and not knowing where they are every second, these crowds, kids can easily be swept up in a crowd. I mean, they steal baseball hats off strollers. You think they're not going to take a kid? Yeah. Well, luckily, there was some, the, the, someone else noticed this. It's not that the parents came out and said, oh, my gosh, my kid won't wake up. Someone else noticed this, didn't they? Yes. I mean, yes. someone reported that there was a, an unattended child. When the child unresponsive too from yes. heat, yeah, right. heat exhaustion, they brought him into the first aid area and they were able to revive the kid. Uh, drug the parents out by their earlobes. Well, Incredible. And there's the, you know there's conflicting stories. The one the parents are saying they were there with a whole bunch of people, and they got confused. They didn't know who was going to watch the kid while yeah. they went on the ride. I'm sorry, you know where your kid is at all times. You got a three year old kid. You're in a theme park. I'm sorry. Any decent parent knows where that kid is. Old John can vouch for the fact that I'll be sitting at a restaurant in Disney, and if I see a kid that's unattended, the first thing I get up and do is I go over and stand and make sure that I can keep my eye on that kid until I see an adult come around and take charge. It's so easy for a kid to be to be confused and disoriented right. and wander off somewhere, but to leave them in a stroller is just... Asleep. No, it's, they could it's, brought the child on the attraction. Exactly. Right? It's Pirates of the Caribbean. It's Pirates... Yeah, exactly. It's not Expedition Everest. What, you scared it's of the guns? What about the heat? <laughs> So it's appalling, is what it is. It's very poor judgment. Well, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I, I hope, I hope these parents lose custody of this kid. I really do. But we'll see what happens. Again, you know, it's Florida Division of Youth and Family Services in Florida is kind of famous for screwing stuff like this up. So, and the lawyers haven't got involved yet. All right, our number one story this week is a, is kind of odd. Um, the story about this pipe bomb at. Uh, at downtown Disney. Um, full of good news today. Yeah, I mean, there were actually two stories on the site, and I thought they were related, but it turns out they're not. Um, just, uh, I guess it was very early Monday morning, a, a low-grade homemade explosive device went off inside a trash can at downtown Disney. It was about 12.30 in the morning on Monday. And, uh, I mean, they're investigating it. Nobody was hurt. It didn't present any danger. It just made a lot of smoke. I believe it was actually ended up, uh, it, was, it, it had been deposited into a trash can. That trash can was then emptied into another one, um, and that's when it, it went off. Um, they're not sure if it is a disgruntled employee. Uh, they're, not con- they're not considering this a terrorist attack, in yeah, other that's words. Correct, yep. um, not However, sure was- the local news portrays it as such. Oh, of course. They always like to blow it up. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they didn't call it an IED, um, <laughs> right. you know. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're saying that they're not sure if it's a disgruntled cast member or possibly some of these teens who were uh, upset about 
the crackdown. Um, but in either way, in either event, no matter who who did it, um, it was not uh, it was not a serious threat to anyone's safety. And uh, I'm sure Disney is taking it very very seriously. I just don't know that the rest of us need to be all that concerned about it. But it is a story getting an awful lot of page views on the Diz this week. Just. Yeah. Um, getting a lot of, I mean, unfortunately, we're hearing a lot of this stuff. It's making it sound like. Well, I'm sure if our local news is blowing it out of proportion, no puns intended, uh, other local news are blowing it out of proportion. The minute you hear the word bomb and Disney in the same sentence. Well, that's a, that's how it came across the news. Right. Bomb explodes at Disney. Right. And, you know, your first thing is, oh, my God. You know, the castle's in, right. on fire. Yeah, right. Exactly. The small yeah. world kids are just everywhere. Yeah, one person <laughs> tells a story, and then the next person tells it, and it gets bigger and bigger. It's doll limbs flying. <laughs> and the nice thing, the good news was, the next day, nothing was closed at Disney. None of the parks, not anywhere in downtown Disney or the marketplace They'll were closed. They'll barely close for a hurricane, let alone a bomb. <laughs> are you kidding? Really? I'll only lose a few people. <laughs> Keep it open. It's our acceptable losses. Yeah, really. But, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, the news these past few weeks, we've had a lot of negatives, and we have mentioned crime. Um, and I, I, I guess I don't want to, you know, part of me is like we should maybe we shouldn't be talking so much about it because it's over it's overrating it but at the same time these are the news stories that are out there well the other thing that i i get concerned about is i hope people don't think that we're just downplaying this for any um, personal reason it's just that when you live in the orlando area disney is the 400 pound gorilla when i'm afraid to go you should be afraid to go right okay honestly and i will tell you if i'm ever afraid if i'm ever afraid to be on disney property you folks are going to be the first people to know about it, okay? <laughs> right. So we're just, I, and we're just used to them blowing the Disney news out of proportion. And that's what happens. You know, when Disney, they thought about the, the, the unions striking, the lead story was, will Disney close indefinitely? So it was like, you know. You have to take the Disney stories with a grain of salt. Well, I think, you know, at least at least the local news here in Orlando, and I, I think to some degree the national news even on the, on the cable networks, you've got to take everything, everything you hear right. that they say with a grain of salt because it's all done for sensationalism. And to add to that, the, one of the local newspapers sent three reporters down to downtown Disney to kind of get their drift on it and... I re- wasn't really happy with, you know, the way they twisted things around and reported it. Uh, for instance, one of them was uh, in his 40s, and he was getting his his take on it. And then they had two others that were in their 20s that were kind of like following around the security guards to see how they were reacting to the crowd and you know, they were making comments that it's this one security guard would follow this person, and it just seemed odd that they were, would pick that one person. You know, and I just thought the stories were just blown out of proportion. Now, one of the things, when Bob and I took the backstage magic tour, they showed us that each of the Disney parks, and this is just a, a safety thing, they have these metal things that rise up out of the ground, so that all of the entrances to Disney have like the same barricades barricades as the White House. Right. They snap back up real quick. And they can stop. I forget what the actual 
thing was, but eighteen wheeler going like yeah. sixty miles an hour, right? Full that. of explosives that would stop it at the gate, and they're far enough back that nothing in the, would happen in the Magic Kingdom. Disney security. Disney knows what it's doing as far as security. Well, that's this is why I was going to say, you know, if the Orlando Sentinel wants to send three people down to downtown Disney to follow security around to see what they're doing, they should make sure the people they send are security experts, not a couple of Yahoo reporters who don't know, you know, who, to, who don't yeah. know who don't know true security measures. Because the bottom line is, after nine eleven, the government went to Disney about security. Right. Okay, the Disney didn't go to the government and say, "How can you help us stay secure?" The government came to Disney and said, "Okay, we want to learn some of your techniques for how you manage this enormous crowd of people coming in and out of your parks every single day. How do you manage security in crowds that size and that concentrated?" The other thing people should know is that Disney security isn't just the people you see walking around in the colorful uniforms. Right. right. There's security that you don't see. And that's a fact. That's not rumor. I saw one yesterday yeah. in the Magic Kingdom. I mean, fortunately, fortunately, the one thing I'll say is that while the cutbacks and the change in uh, the change in, in in corporate vision, let's say, for Walt for, for well, Disney World and the Disney Company in general over the last few years, definitely has taken its toll on the quality of cast members. I've gone off about that a number of times. I'm sure I'll do it more. It has not taken its toll on security. That's one thing I can say. Right. They haven't skimped on. They're not skimping on, so. But, all right, I think we've beaten that horse until it's dead, you know, <laughs> bloody and dead. So let's uh, go ahead and move on uh, past the news and on to rapid fire. And who would like to go first? I got a, I got a good one. Okay. Bob is jumping out of his seat. You only get to go first because Julie's not I here. She Bob has also that. attached. Uh, Bob has also decided in celebration of uh, Christmas in July that uh, he's got Christmas lights running up and down his, uh, oh, dear God, he's got a blinking Rudolph nose. Well, do you want to wait for the actual Christmas segment to get the Rudolph nose going? <laughs> full? Blinking. Okay. The Rudolph nose is blinking red. I think I want to change my seat. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm stuck sitting next to him. Usually Julie's over there, and she's kind of like this air of sweetness to... I think she would You know that expression, shot. they can't hit you? I'm close enough now that I can. They can't hit me. They can't hit me. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm close enough now. Okay, someone's going to hit you if you keep wearing that ridiculous blinking red nose. Okay, I'll take it off. Okay. All right, Bob, go ahead with your rapid fire. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> He's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Drunk over there. <laughs> okay. He looks like Robert Bork. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I don't either. You don't remember Judge Robert Bork? No. Oh, okay. He was a Supreme Court nominee under Reagan. He was a drunk, and he had all this horrible stuff about him, and his confirmation hearing was a nightmare. I don't remember. No, no. Okay. Well, anyway, did sorry. he wear Christmas lights? I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure I'm sure at some point he probably did. I am sure there are people listening who are going to find this hysterical. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, the, 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 yeah. I, I guess I have to make my political references a little more recent. Um, the '80s are kind of a blur. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm one of those. I'm one of those junkies who follows all that stuff. Go ahead, Bob. Okay, I have one, and it's Quickie Mott has come to Orlando. Are you waiting for a reaction? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Is that an applause line? <laughs> Quickie Mart. Quickie Mart. Let's wait till they stop on, laughing. On The Simpsons? Quickie Mart? Right. Okay. There's 11 them, 11, 7 11s. <laughs> 11 them? 11. There's 11 them. I got 11 them. <laughs> and I took the nose off. What is 11 them? That's one more than 10 them. <laughs> 
there's Seven Eleven, but there's eleven of them that they converted and actually put signs up that say Quickie Mart on the outside. And I have pictures that I'm going to send to Corey to so we can put them up. And we're one of the eleven areas that that got these right uh, on five thirty five, right? Five thirty five, right next to um, Orlando Alehouse, right okay. on the corner there. Uh, so they they've converted them to quickie mats, and uh, there's others other cities: New York City, uh, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Burbank, California, Los Angeles, Henderson, Nevada. Why Henderson, Nevada? It's I, Las I have Vegas. no idea. Is that yeah, is Las that Vegas, it? Yeah. Oh, Mountain View, California, Seattle, and Bladensburg, Maryland. Am I the only one that doesn't see the significance of this? What's a Quickie Mart? Quickie Mart is from, on the Simpsons. From the Simpsons. Simpsons this, is a, this is a promotion for the movie. The movie's coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh. Right. And, and I the, thought this was probably one of the most brilliant marketing ideas I've ever heard. Kevin doesn't watch the Simpsons. I've been watching the Simpsons. <laughs> okay. So we have one in our area. I went to it yesterday. Okay. And I got props today. I have props. They thought you were Homer, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I had the nose on. But I have props. I'm going to bring out the first one. There should be music. I have to find prop music for Bob to put in post-production. You really do. No, I'm thinking the theme from Psycho would be appropriate. Oh, Buzz Cola. Buzz Cola. I got a six-pack of Buzz Cola that I brought to the podcast one for each one. Who makes it? Buzz Cola. And I he didn't know. drink them before. I he didn't came drink either. them before I came. There's actually. I thought that was. Him. I thought that was pretty cool. So I brought a six pack of Buzz Cola. I have more more props. Another six pack. <laughs> this is so going over my head. I don't get any of it. This is all from The Simpsons. These are all like Buzz Colas on The Simpsons and oh, Crustios. Crustios cereal. I got a box of that. The best you can expect from a TV clown. Okay. The next one I had problems with. Well, right now you're hidden behind a box of Crustios. I can't see you. You're having problems with all of them. Remember the Dole Whips? Okay, so you got a a Squishy, which is the Simpsons version of a Slushy. But it it got drank. Drunk. We drank it. I wish I was drunk. (laughs) So they have Squishies. I think I am. (laughs) Okay. I also have sound effects. <laughs> what? I didn't understand any that of that. That sounds okay. like the Charlie Brown cartoons. So. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, Bob, whatever it is. Make it stop. What is it? It's it's a sound effect thing. Oh, it's supposed to be like uh, Moe and Barney the, talking keychain. Yeah, it, over on the other side, there's <laughs> phrases. But you put it near the mic and it, it diverts. Okay, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like I'm pulling up to a McDonald's drive through and yeah. some 17-year-old well, with acne is asking me if I want fries with that. The, the electronics near the mic, so you got to hold it back. Oh, yeah, because this is really helping the clarity issue. No, Bob, it's a piece of crap, and that's why nobody can understand what it's saying. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take it back. All right. <laughs> okay. That was, that was $3.99 wasted. That was more than $3.99. Just to let you know, 
in, in there's also they have the you know the donut with the red glaze on it that they with the sprinkles they sell the donuts in the thing in the quickie mart there's a whole bunch of products that they sell I didn't buy them all because I would have gone broke but and these uh, are all products that are specific to the quickie mart based on uh, the Simpsons TV show right so you mean you could have said all that in one sentence <laughs> But the props. This is that's my job. My job is to translate from Bob into now, podcast. They they don't. They're not selling Duff beer because the darn the movie is rated PG thirteen. So they they're they, not going to sell they're beer. Not they're going to sell gonna do, beer. They're going to do a liquor tie in with a yeah, kids movie. Right. Yeah. So they're not <laughs> doing that. That's probably a line. That, that's a good line to have. So. And some Seagram 7 to go with I mean, the Crustios. There's, there's a whole bunch. I thought that sound effects thing would be much better. Well, Ratatouille has a line of wine, Juan doesn't Buzz it? Buzz and Bacardi. But Does it really? No. <laughs> Come on. I've been out of it for the last week. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Ratatouille, they could have a line of wine. Who wouldn't put anything past Disney? Really? That's my rapid fire. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Varley. Today. Thank you, Mr. Varley. Mr. Close. I actually have a couple. None of them are like that. I didn't bring any props. I have more later, but that's okay. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you're next to me today. Yeah, I feel lucky. <laughs> the grand one, the big yacht at the Grand Floridian. I love that. It's being replaced by the bigger grand one. Ooh. It's going from 47 feet to 52 feet. The first boat was sold to a private investor. They're replacing it with a bigger yacht. The price is also going up from three seventy-five to four hundred dollars an hour. Bob, you bought the, you bought the yacht, didn't you? Bob? I did. He's waiting to pull it up out front. I did. It's another prop. The new restaurant in Epcot, the new Italian restaurant taking the place of um, Fettuccine Alfredo's, is going to be two dollars. <laughs> Fettuccine <Italian>. Alfredo's. <laughs> it's got this like seven-word name. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. The new restaurant is going to be called Tuto Italia. And it is set to open in August. Of what? This year? Yep. Um, there is also the chef from Gico, uh, Annette Gretchy Gray, is on her way out. Annette has... <laughs> Annette who? Gretchy Gray. Gretchy Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the head chef of the critically acclaimed Gico at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, which we've all talked about and I've told you is one of my favorite places. She's leaving. She's taking a job with another... Company, company and she has not been replaced yet and finally my last rapid my last rapid fire yeah is there's going to be a new show at interventions towards the end of the year based on velcro i was waiting for my laugh line if bob can do it so can i interventions uh velcro is a funny new show it's going to be interactive it's going to be improvisational and it's going to be based on Velcro. And it's going to be boring. You never know. <laughs> you can do a, no, 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 no. You can do a lot with Velcro. Come on, kids. Let's go see the wonderful world of Velcro. No, you don't <laughs> want to go on Mission Space. <laughs> Velcro. That's world. how they hold you in Mission Space. With Velcro. Velcro. It's going to be a male and female teams, and they, uh, they're holding auditions for people who are physically fit in addition to being clever and personable. You must be skilled in scenic improvisation. It's and going Velcro. to be in interventions. And Velcro. Well-versed in Velcro. That's it. I'm well, done. The exhibit is going to be sponsored by the Velcro company. That's true. I'm sure it will be. You can do a lot with Velcro. Okay. It's like duct tape. You attach I can nose. do a lot with duct tape, too. I can do duct a lot with... Duct tape is like the force. There's a light side and a dark too. side. 
Banana boxes, I can do a Mr. Martin, what do you have? Well, if you're going to be in Disneyland in the next few months, there's the Sawdust Art Festival taking place at Laguna Beach. Um, see more than 200 Laguna Beach artists exhibit and sell their original work, including jewelry, ceramics, and textiles. There will be demonstrations, including complimentary art classes, children's art activities. Also, the unofficial gay days is taking place at Disneyland from October 5th to the 7th. And that's all I have. Gay Days is going on in Disneyland in yeah. October? Yeah. They always do it different than... They're, they're smart right. enough yeah. to not doing it when the same the temperature is the same as the surface of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, the um, Sawdust Arts Festival, I, I think it's a Sawdust Arts Festival, is also doing a tie-in um, with Disneyland this year. There's a whole... Laguna Beach, the art festival in Disneyland is doing this whole thing this year. I didn't... I remember I saw something about it real quick when I was doing the news. But uh, they're doing oh, yeah. a, something about the yeah. I saw that too. There's a um, I know there's a tie in somewhere. Did I give the dates for that? It's from now through September second. Now through September second. Okay, John, what do you got? I have a couple things for uh, Rapid Fire this week. Uh, Epcot's American Adventure has been updated for only the second time since it's opened. The slideshow at the end that's done to the theme um, Golden Dreams. They've added some new slides to it. Um, particularly, they've added some stuff about Michelle Kwan, Tiger Woods, and the firefighters who raised the flag at the World Trade Center. Um, this is uh, a big deal because they never change this show at the end. They, they do it quite infrequently. And what they've done is not removed any of the old stuff. They've kept all the old stuff in there. They've just shortened the time that those slides appear. So if you get a chance to go over to the American Adventure, you can check out the new show. Slightly revised show. Sounds cool. Uh, second thing I have is when we know we've reported this before that uh, there's going to be a second Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique location in the Magic Kingdom inside the castle, and it's uh, slated to open September 10th of 2007. We have information on the site now that when that does open, um, the price for the different packages will be increased. I guess there's going to be a premium now if you want to be boutiqued at the castle. Coach package is going up to 44.95. Crown is going up to forty nine ninety five, Castle's going up to one seventy nine ninety five, and the Cool Dude package will be ten dollars. What's the Cool Dude package? That's where you, the boys gonna have their hair glittered and spiked up. It sort of give the boys a chance to be boutiqued. They get a tattoo, and they do that at the castle. Yeah, they could do both the Booty by Boutique now, and then they're gonna do the one at the castle as well. I was kidding about the tattoo. <laughs> okay. Um, we had some discounts come out this week, some more discounts. Um, Boy, I missed a lot this week. did. This week was full of stuff. We've got a general public discount for room-only reservations traveling July 29th through September 29th. There's also a general discount for package reservations for the same time frame. Um, We'll have we have all the information up in the discount section of the Diz. There are different codes involved with each of the packages, and it just relates to where you're going to stay, what what resort it's going to be. Um, there's really no fanciness about it. Just call up and say you want the the discount. And finally, I have the September. I'm sorry, I have the July 18th Disney Magic ten night Mediterranean cruise is going to have a slight change in their itinerary. The uh, Villefranche and the Marseilles, um, Marseilles. Marseilles 
Marseille. I can't say it. Yeah, Marseille. Marseille port is going to be switched out for that particular sailing. We don't know why. They haven't said why or what happened. I guess they just have some issues with the port. But for folks who are on that sailing, don't worry. Your shore excursions are going to be changed to the right day. And So if you're on that sailing, don't worry about your shore excursions. Just know that you're going to have a change of port. And that's what I have for Rapid Fire. Great. Well, thank you very much, folks. Well, as we've been promising for uh, a few months now, actually, I think I said <laughs> at the end of April, we were going to be doing something specific on DBC here on the show. And uh, so we have Robert Machado here from the Timeshare Store. And uh, the Timeshare Store specializes in the uh, resale of not only DVC uh, Vacation Club properties, but also other timeshares. And uh, we've been doing business with the Timeshare Store. I think, well, my first contact with the Timeshare Store was about maybe eight weeks after I first launched the Diz. So we're going back to the uh, the summer of 90, summer of 97 um, was the first time that we had any interaction with the Timeshare Store, and it's been an amazing relationship ever since then. And um, we know that uh, I know a lot of Dizzers have bought their uh, Disney Vacation Club timeshares through through the Timeshare Store, and uh, so we figured they, the, the, these guys would be the right ones to answer uh, some of the questions I think a lot of people have. It's a scary thing going into Disney Vacation Club. It's a big commitment. You're, you're spending you know a lot of money for most people anyway, and. Uh, so, Robert, we're going to talk a little bit first about your background. Now, you, you're a DVC member yourself, correct? I am. have been since 1994. And where do you own? I own at Old Key West. Old Key West. That's our favorite. Uh, yeah. Mine, too. Always has been. I think always will be. Now, what do, you think of the, um, what, what do you think of the other resorts that have built up since the Old Key West? You've been around since the beginning. They've added a lot more with Boardwalk, uh, Beach Club mm-hmm. Villas. They're all great resorts, and, and that's what's great about Disney. They all have their own theming, so whatever you and your family are comfortable at, then that might be where you want to look at purchasing your your membership at. I enjoy Old Key West because of the, uh, it, it feels like a neighborhood to me over there as opposed to a resort hotel like the other ones are. So uh, it's much more community oriented and it just gives me a good feel when I'm there. Uh, I agree. I agree. Now, uh, given that you, 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 you do sell, you resell uh, Disney Vacation Club uh, properties. What are some of the more common questions you get from prospect people who are thinking about going into DVC but aren't sure? Um, where do I buy? What What's the difference between buying through the timeshare store as opposed to buying through Disney? Uh, what is right of first refusal? That's a big one. Uh, maybe I should answer these questions while I'm. Yeah, let's talk about uh, let, let's talk about the fir- the first one you mentioned. Where should you buy? Where should you buy? Buy where you really want to stay. Because as a member and owning your membership or your points at a certain resort, you can make your reservations 11 months in advance at that resort where you own. Now, if you want to use your points at another DVC resort, you certainly can do that. But you have to wait till seven months before your vacation to make that reservation. So if you really enjoy staying at Beach Club or Wilderness Lodge and they're such small resorts... Buy your points there, own there, because you'll have that advantage of making your reservations four months before all the other owners of DBC can make reservations at your home resort. So I think it's important to buy where you really enjoy staying. Not that you have to stay there every time, but you have that advantage of making those reservations early. And if you know, for a lot of these, a lot of the DBC resorts now, um, if you try and buy them through Disney, you can't because uh, 
they're they're sold out. So well, Disney's only actively selling Saratoga and Animal Kingdom Lodge right now. They do have other points out there that they normally offer to um, current members for add-ons and things. But uh, for somebody who's just buying into the club, all they can buy from Disney is Saratoga or Animal Kingdom Lodge. Mm-hmm. And talk about now. Um, we talk about the right of first refusal. What is yes. that? Every agreement we put together, whether it's the timeshare store or any other reseller out there, has to submit that agreement between the buyer and seller to Disney for their review. Disney can step in and become the buyer if they think that the selling price, what the property is selling for, is lower than what they feel the market value should be. So we help our buyers price their property. I mean, I'm sorry. We help our sellers price their property at a price that's very competitive and fair to them, but also a fair price to the buyer. So when we sell a property, we present that um, agreement to Disney. They can step in and become the buyer. Um, they do it. We at the Timeshare Store we sell about 100 to 120 DVC resales per month. Disney buys maybe five to ten percent of those. Really, so it's I'm not surprised. A big it's e- percentage. I'm surprised it's even that high. Well, they'll tell you that it's a, a little bit more than that if you talk to Disney, but it's not that high, or else we wouldn't be in business. Right. So we try to we try to come to a happy medium between buyer and seller when we're doing the negotiation for the purchase, so it doesn't go into that where Disney is purchasing it back, and that sell and that buyer doesn't get disappointed that they didn't get the property they wanted. And I think it's also important to point out that you know. This is, in fact, a real real estate transaction. You are buying deeded real estate. You own just a little bit, little bit of magic there, and you own one of the, a little portion of one of those resorts, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the other differences between going directly through Disney versus buying a resale? Um, there's no difference in your membership if you purchase resale or purchase directly from Disney. You get the same right benefits, privileges, discounts as every other member of Disney Vacation Club. It's just the price is lower. The price is lower. Disney's currently selling Saratoga and Animal Kingdom Lodge for around $104 a point. You can buy, you know, Vero Beach in the low $60 a point. You can buy Saratoga at $82, $85 a point. So you're saving money buying resale. And even buying at Vero Beach, even that if that's not your, your primary destination, you can still use those points to stay Abs- at Disney Vacation Club properties there. On. Any any Disney Vacation Club property or 500 locations worldwide. Wow. Do the points, say a person like you owned since 1994, do those points mean anything different than somebody buying points for someone that bought in 2005? No, when Disney opens a resort, let's say they opened um, Old Key West in 1992, they they set a point chart for that resort. That point chart is exactly the same today and will be the same at the end of the membership. Once Disney opens a resort and sets a point chart, the points never change. Your nightly rental rate's gonna change if you're renting every time you come to Walt Disney World. But if you're a member, your points stay the same. You don't pay a dime checking in, checking out. If it's ten points a night now, it's going to be ten points a night. You know, thirty years from now. So, what do you what do you say to somebody who says, you know, how do I know if this is really worth it for me? Well, they really have to they have to do a little bit of research. Um, we have point charts on our website on the Timeshare Store, so you can look at the point charts and how many points it takes to stay at each resort. Find out what time of the year you vacation. Decide what size accommodation you want, and then work out how many points you're going to need for the year. And then do the math. I mean, once you buy in, you're only paying those those annual dues, which are much, much less than, than any accommodations you're going to pay for in the future. Well, how long is the average mortgage? 
How long do people normally mortgage these for? Um, we have loans available through the financing institution we found for three, five, seven, or ten years. Okay, so, so at the it's most, really up to the them, and paying quite for... a few people pay cash. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's good. That's an easy way to do it. <laughs> but, I mean, yes, financing is available. And just let us know, and we can give you all the details. All right, talk to me about some of the other questions that you're likely to hear from uh, prospective buyers. Um, right of first refusal, how many... How, what's the sleeping arrangements in the room, especially with people who have never been in a DVC resort? Um, there are, as you probably know, studio one, two, and three-bedroom units in most of the resorts. Um, some of the resorts do not have the three-bedroom grand villas, and that would be Beach Club, Wilderness Lodge. What am I forgetting? Beach Club, Wilderness Lodge. Uh, they don't have the three-bedroom villas, but the studio sleep four, one-bedroom sleep four, two-bedroom sleeps eight, and the Grand Villa Sleep 12. Now, they're adding a sleeper chair at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, so those um, one one bedrooms uh, will sleep five. five, and the two bedrooms will sleep nine. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have any resales on that because Disney just started selling Animal Kingdom Lodge. Of the various DVC properties, what do you say? which one do you th- would you say sells the best? Which is the most popular? Um Surprisingly, Saratoga Springs is a very popular. Are you so, kidding? Even though Disney's selling it, uh, it's very popular for us. Uh, Old Key West has always been popular because it's the least expensive on the resale market for a Walt Disney World re- resort within the DVC network. So Old Key West, uh, wow. Saratoga really? Springs. I, I thought Old Key West would be you know, hard to get. No, there's a lot of resales out there. Beach Club is very popular because it is such a small resort, because of its location, because of the storm along bay, because yeah. of all the restaurants within walking it's got distance. So much going for you know, it. It's got some, yeah. Uh, even more than Boardwalk, Beach Club is a much more popular resort. Can you tell us a little bit about the process a seller would go through when they come to you? A, a seller? Yes. Seller yes. or a buyer? Well, both. I'd like to know a seller. Okay, and a buyer. well, a seller, they, they contact us. Um, I mean, they, they find us on the Diz boards. They find us, um, you know, on a couple other sites uh, on the Internet. Um, there are other sites on the Internet? I didn't know that. There are <laughs> a few other sites on the Internet, yes. Um, they contact us. We ask them what they own. Uh, we help them arrive at a, a fair price for them. We send them a listing agreement. All they have to do is fill that out and send it back to us. We do not charge any fees to sell their property. It's only a commission at the time of sale. Is the contract for a certain length of time? Is there a, how do you um, it isn't, what, What's known in Florida is an open listing. So it is for a three-month period, but they can call any time and cancel the listing without any penalty to them. We just pull the website, say thank you very much, let us know if we can help you in the future. And you file all the paperwork with the state? and the, We do the, everything uh, for them, yes, uh, and work with, uh, like I said, a closing company here in Orlando to do the final documents and the title search and all that. Yes. And you do like an escrow account for this, yes. through the sale and all yeah, that? Yeah, for That's the great. buyer, yes. Deposits go into escrow account and everything like that, yes. How long a time does it take to close, and typically? On average, it's going to take six to eight weeks to go to closing from the time the agreement's put together. Um, Disney can take up to 30 days for their right of first refusal, so that could be you know, half of that eight-week period. Normally, it happens faster than that. And then the escrow company has to go through title search and, and preparing all the final documents, and they have to go back to Disney for more information. So it can take a while, but I would say six to eight weeks is the average. What should a seller look for when they're looking at a, at a listing? I mean, price would be one thing, but if you're going to look at a listing and you want to compare two of them, you mean to a buyer, a buyer. I'm getting That's confused I, today. I do the same thing all the time. Too. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, if I'm a buyer and I'm looking at your list of resales, what should I look for? Well, the first, price? I think you want to look at at which resort. Like I said right. earlier, 
and then how many points, and then how many points are in that certain listing that you're looking at because every one of them is different. It's not as clean as buying from Disney where you buy 160 points and you get 160 points immediately. I mean, the sellers may have, um, you know, used points for this year. They may have borrowed points from next year already. They may have banked points from last year. I was going to ask. So, yeah, that's what you want to do. And any listing or any contract that you can find that has banked points is kind of a nice one because it's kind of a freebie. Those dues have been paid already and you get those points right away. So if you're buying a 150 point contract and you have a hundred points bank from last year, all of a sudden you got 250 points to use. So that gives you a better value or yes. Yeah. So you don't pay any, any maintenance fees on those, on those bank points or borrowed points either in most cases, but everything is negotiable between the buyer and the seller. Is there a better time of the year to buy or or sell points or, or sell? No, right now we have about 140 listings on our website, and that's about the average. It just kind of goes that way, and uh, you know, just keep, keep checking the website and seeing which which listing is right for your family. Okay, so there's, it, there's it, no advantage to selling at a certain time uh, of the year. There's no. a quick explanation, Bob. Uh, Disney works on a use year, and your points renew once a year on your anniversary date. So that's something I would think you would look for too. If points are going to renew right, you'll soon, hear. then you'll have more points. That's available. important to a family who, if they normally vacation in the summertime, then they may want to consider a use year that's just before summer, maybe an April or a June use year. Why don't year. we just explain a little bit about what use year means, just yeah. so the people listening can? Uh, yeah, if you're looking at the listings, you'll see um, you know 150 points coming October first, you know 200 points coming April first. That just means that that. Every April 1st or every October 1st, you'll get your yearly allotment of points. That's what use here means. It's also important in your banking situation because you have six months from the date you get your points to bank 100% of those allotted points. So where I was going was if you are normally vacationing in the summertime, maybe you want to look for an April or a, a June use here. So if you, for some reason, have to cancel your vacation, you'll still be in the banking window. So if you have to bank those points into next year, you've got the opportunity to do that. That's a smart strategy. Points, and you won't lose points. So, And a lot of people are very savvy. I mean, if you read the DIS boards, you know that those know people out the there. They know all the tricks. And if you want to do some research, that's the place to go. Those people know almost too much. They just know so much, yeah. And it's 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 amazing. It's amazing when you're passionate about something, how much that can fuel your knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that you're right. That our DVC boards have certainly uh, proven, proven to be uh, they're very adept at figuring things out. Oh, they don't yes. let, and Disney certainly gets away with nothing. Yeah. Anything that any changes that are made are scrutinized. But that's good. I think that keeps everybody on their toes and makes the product better. Yeah. And it ends up uh, giving us more more educated, giving you guys more educated uh, uh, clients. That's right. And it's it's easier for us to talk to them when they understand. Sometimes we'll get a call where they just have. So what's this Disney Vacation Club? Well, it you know it takes a little bit. Of, there's a learning curve there. You got to learn <laughs> yeah. about it. So yeah, it's easier if they didn't have done some research. There's a strategy, uh, Robert, to using your points too, isn't there? Uh, use them Sunday through Thursday. It takes fewer points to stay Sunday through Thursday night. Correct. It takes almost double points to stay on Friday and Saturday nights. So yes, you want to keep that into consideration when finding out how many points you need for your family. Okay. And a lot of members, you know, will only stay Sunday through Thursday night and not 
you know, they'll get more nights that way per right. year. And then switch out and go to another hotel for a few nights and then come back I bet you there's the next a week. lot of them at the All-Stars on Friday and Saturday night, DVC yeah. members. Well, yeah. it's a smart thing. I mean, it really is. Yeah, you, right. You take I advantage used, of it. When I know? was not living here in Orlando, that's what we used to do. Come in on yeah. Friday, Saturday, stay at the All-Stars for a couple nights, and then move yeah. over to Yeah, I mean, no sense in throwing the points away when you can get more value for them. Right. Yeah, you get more nights that way. Maybe get another trip yeah. during yeah, the same exactly. year. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the yearly dues, are those, do those change from resort to resort? They are different at every resort, yes. Okay. Um, they start at $4.12 uh, for the lowest. Per point? Per point at Saratoga Springs, and the highest is Vero Beach at $5.63, and everything else is in between. Hmm. Um, those can change yearly. Disney reviews those in December, and uh, probably on average they may increase 2 to 4% per year. I mean, I've been a member for, what, 13, 14 years now, and um, that's the average I've seen in the old Key West dues. A couple of those years, the dues went down a little bit, and that mm. was a nice surprise where Disney didn't raise yeah. the dues. But the dues really take care of your taxes, insurance, and maintenance. Taxes, insurance is not something that Disney's got you know, their finger on. They have to go with whatever right, those exactly. rights are. So the dues reflect that to the members. Yeah, Robert, I have a question about um, using other resorts. Yes. Do you find that that's easy for people to do? And I'm not suggesting other Disney resorts. Right. I'm suggesting they want to go to Hawaii, Hawaii Vail, Colorado. Right. There are 500 other resorts um, that you can use that are non-Disney resorts. Uh, Disney trades through Interval International, which is a timeshare organization, trading organization. And they have an inventory of over 2,000 resorts. Disney's picked the best 500 of those resorts for their members to use. Um, like any timeshare, you do have to do some planning on an exchange. Um, if you can give a couple weeks of when you could go, and it, maybe if you want to go to Hawaii and you want to stay out on the island of Maui, maybe a couple resorts that you'd be willing to trade into, and then let Disney do the search and come back and, and let you know what, what their, their findings are. Um, so, yes, you can trade. Um, to be honest, DVC was made for people who love Disney and want to come to Disney, but you can certainly use it outside. And the point totals are not bad for a one one or two week stay in a in a timeshare exchange. They're very comparable to what you pay for a one or two week stay at Disney. What do you think about the value of using your Disney Vacation Club points on the Disney Cruise Line if you want to cruise? I think if you if you can go and see how many members cruise every week on the Magic or the Wonder, you're going to find a lot of members there. So you you, yeah. got, you think there are, you think there are a lot of people using absolutely. their points? Absolutely, absolutely. Do you yeah. think it's a good value though? I've done it with mine. I've taken I think four cruises. Really, with my points, yeah. And so you, yeah. you consider that? And a I've good done value. a couple of the member cruises, which are a lot of fun. When they'll take over the ship, all eight hundred and twenty-five cabins are DVC members using oh. their points. See, I've got to think that's that that must be a major hook. For a lot of people, the thought that they could use those points for a cruise. Oh, yeah. And you can also use it for an Alaskan cruise uh, through Holland American Lines, too. Oh, I didn't know yes, that. You can exchange your points for there. A little bit heftier in, in the points, but uh, certainly possible. And I know quite a few members who have done that. Wow. We had always thought that it, it wasn't a good value. I, I Just throw on my two cents. I personally find it not a good value. I find it's a better value for me to rent my points to someone else and pay for yeah. my cruise in cash. And what I suggest to a lot of people, too, um, is if they're going to use their points and it's a family of four, they're all staying in one cabin, use the points for the two adults and pay cash for the third and fourth person in that right. cabin because if they're children, they're going to be very inexpensive cash-wise and save your points that way. That's, That's a great tip. The one That's nice, a great tip. The one nice thing is, yeah, you don't have to use your points for everybody. No. 
Yeah, it's a good tip. But uh, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. And but I will say this: I've not been on the member cruise, but I hear the member cruises are terrific. They give you so much swag and free stuff and oh, parties yeah. and stuff. It's, they're tremendous. Lots of information and lots of goodies. Yep. Robert, I have a question about Saratoga Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the uh, sellout rate right now? Do you know? I don't know. Um, it's getting close, I think, and I would think easily within the year they would probably be sold out. But I don't. I haven't, you know, heard from Disney on what their sellout date is. I know you guys aren't fans of Saratoga Springs. I happen to like it. I like Saratoga. It's not, I, I'm not going to say I hate Saratoga Springs. It's just not my favorite. Uh, I understand that it's not mine either. But I still like the resort, and I think it's really a great location. I mean, Saratoga Springs is the only one that has an indoor pool, right? There's an indoor pool inside? No. Or they took that away? They took that away. That's they a bathtub. That's part of the sales center oh. now where that pool used to be. Oh, really? Yeah. That was, I was like, if that you swim pool. there, the they'll frown there. at you. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I look at that and I, I, I can only think Disney Institute when I look over there for some reason. Yeah, I don't it's know. always in my head as a Disney Institute. You know, but no, I uh, think it's a nice resort for where it's at. The convenience to downtown Disney, you can't beat it. You yeah, know, that's you have true. Boat transportation there, plus the bus transportation uh, to all the other attractions. But they've got four swimming pools, but they're all outdoor yeah. and eight hundred over eight hundred units. You guys on your site have a, a thing about if you're in the area, come and visit us. How many dizzers have you come to the timeshare stores? We offices. Have, we have quite a few. We do offer a nice uh, gift for the people who buy from us, and if they'll come in the store and meet us, because uh, we're one of the few resales out there that have a storefront where you can come in. There's five associates that work there, plus our our assistants, and uh, we're open seven days a week. So uh, we always invite. Really, our, you guys uh, are in there seven days yeah, a week. Are. Seven days a week, uh, to nine o'clock Monday through Friday Hold until six to, o'clock on weekends. Tom's wow. really cracking the whip. <laughs> no, no, no. We all enjoy it. It's it's such a great working relationship there. I mean, you can always call and talk to somebody. You're never going to get a machine mm. unless you call when we're closed. But if we're open, we will certainly talk to you. Robert, I'm not looking to pin you down, but how long do these Con- or the people that have their stuff up for sale, how long do things stay usually? It really depends on the contract itself and the points that are in it. Um, we have some sell within two minutes of when they are listed. Mm-hmm. I would say the average is probably four to six weeks. I guess what I'm saying is if you find your, something... Your mileage may differ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is if you see something that's up there and you think that's the right thing, that you probably should act. Call, yeah, especially if it's a, a really nice contract with lots of points and things, yes, because those will go fast and you'll call tomorrow, and I'm sorry, that has sold. Robert, I have a question for you. Yes. I own Timeshare, not Disney. Okay. Well, I have uh, one out in uh, Ron John out on the coast, and what if I wanted to rent my points out? Do you do that? We do not get into the You don't do no. that? No? Um, or if I wanted to sell... A property? Do I come to you? Well, the timeshare store specializes in Disney. Only? Hilton, okay. Marriott, Sheridan, the Vistana Resort and Vistana Villages. Okay. I, and Orange Lake Country Club. Those are all here in Orlando. We don't do any other timeshares other than that. We certainly can give you uh, some reputable companies that uh, work like us with no oh, okay. fees and that. And I'll let you get a hold of them and see if they can help you out. But we just really specialize in Central Florida. Okay. They only specialize in the, the real the time really share. good timeshare places, <laughs> not, the, not Frank's timeshare <laughs> and no, barbecue. No, John's is a good one. <laughs> it's one of the best Truck's out top. there. Hey, Bob owns Bob owns, one Bob owns a urinal on uh, exit twenty seven. 
Wait a minute. Where's my train wreck? I have a Claremont timeshare. <laughs> Can I say that? Bob's timeshare and salad bar. This isn't fair. It's just because you didn't think of it first. No. Now, we were talking about uh, being able to call in and say hello to you guys. What yes. number do they call if they want to we talk to We have an 800 you? number. It's 800-550-6493. Uh, we're, like I said, we're there Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till 9 p.m., um, Saturday and Sunday till 6 p.m. Okay, and, and that is Eastern. Always, that's Eastern time. That's Eastern time. And there we will be closed 4th of July. <gasps> uh, closing I for know. the holiday? I know. Robert, where are you located when people want to come in? We are on Central Florida Parkway, just about a mile from the um, SeaWorld entrance on Central Florida. Uh, there's uh, the Williamsburg Down Shopping Center. There's a Publix uh, grocery store and a shopping center there. And it's we're a nice right neighborhood. In there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we're there you know, all the time. So please come in and see us, even if you just want to talk. There's always somebody there to, to talk to you. Like I said, you know, we've been doing, um, we've been doing business. We've been friends with and doing business with the uh, uh, Tom Yeary and the folks at the Timeshare store now for 10 years, for 10 years. And, uh, you know, we keep them on the site. We, we have this relationship with them because of how well they have handled and taken care of, I mean, scores, thousands and thousands and thousands of DIS visitors um, over the course of, of, that, of that 10 years. Great company. If you're looking to get into the Disney Vacation Club, I can't recommend them highly enough. And Robert, I can't thank you enough for spending time to come and, and chat with us about this and give our listeners some more insight into the whole reselling process and into DVC. It really is uh, really we really appreciate it. Thanks, we appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Great. Thanks. All right, we're going to uh, move on and do our first installment in our Christmas in July series. Now, uh, you know we've done something along the lines of Christmas in July on the site now for the last few years. Um, we've always done something. This is the first time we're really doing it in the podcast. And one of the reasons I like to do Christmas in July is, is primarily because if you're planning on coming to Walt Disney World for the holidays, if you're going to be down here in the early part of December, uh, if you haven't started planning yet, you need to start planning now. Uh-huh. Um, the days of the parks being empty um, around Christmas, before Christmas, um, are not uh, those days have passed um a lot of people now come thanks to the internet um I, I think this is probably one of the areas where the internet's had the greatest impact on traffic uh to Walt Disney World has been the increase the dramatic increase that has taken place over the last several years in the early or in the early weeks of December um and a lot's going on we're going to be covering a number of different areas over the next few weeks. Today we're going to focus on theme parks and some of the holiday events that are going on in some of the different theme parks. Um, now, I, I would say first, the uh, first thing I wanted to mention are, are decorations. Uh, you know, again, we're speaking about theme parks specifically here, and you guys may disagree with me, but generally speaking, I find the decorating job that Disney does in the theme parks not including things like Osborne, stuff like that. But I think in some cases they, 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 they really chintz out a little bit in the theme parks. Like in the Magic Kingdom, for, for example, only a couple of areas like the main drag are really decorated. The rest of the park is pretty much left the way it is. This happened this, this last year, I think more so than ever. 
in the past, it used to be every inch of the park was decorated. Exactly. But it seems like lately in the last couple of years, and specifically last year, we talked about it on the podcast, mm-hmm. it was really, really sparse. I think the issue was we we actually got to see what Disneyland looks like decorated and what they do. To, and to and those they sparse. just went. And we, we came back here and we're like, whoa. Yeah, because Disneyland did it right. I mean, Disneyland had every inch of that theme park uh, decorated. And the Magic Kingdom just wasn't here. It just that was always one of my big, but you know decorations are definitely some of the things that you're going to want to take note of. Um, but the big things are the activities that go on in each of the theme parks. Uh, each of the theme parks has something special, Christmas oriented. Some better than others. Magic Kingdom, of course, Mickey's very merry Christmas party. And what do we want to say about about the Christmas party? What's what were the highlights? Of this Christmas party, the highlight of the of the Christmas party is the parade. I would agree. One thing about the parade, the Christmas parade uh, that you see at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, that's the same parade that they film to air on Christmas Day. Yeah. So you are actually getting to see the Christmas Day parade, technically before Christmas Day. Now, if you're in the Magic Kingdom on the right days. It's usually in early December. Yeah. It's also very difficult to plan around that. They offer special tickets. You can go to Disney.com, and you have to get special tickets to be allowed into the park early, and they ask you to come dressed in Christmas celebration garb, which, given any day of the weather, right. can this be... This is if you want to be there for the actual filming of the Christmas right. Day Parade. And they let they let people in extremely early, and you have to agree to things like staying in position for hours on end. And, they nope. again, they yeah. ask you to dress up, and given the day that you're there, that can be very uncomfortable. It, it's really a commitment to doing it. It's not an easy thing to do. You don't do. just show up. And, no, it's, yeah. not, it's not serendipity. I mean, as you, as you as have to don't... plan for this. As a guest, there, I see no reason to try to get there for the actual filming and be in the filming of the parade. The parade you see that they, that they do is the same parade. It's great. But, you know, the people who are there to be filmed, you don't really see them on TV. I mean, it's, it can just be It can background. be some torture uh, because if they don't like what they shot... They'll back the parade back up Main Street and redo it and redo it again. And you could be standing there just watching them reset. Just go and enjoy the parade. The other thing is there will be special performers that they'll intersperse with that. However, if you're on the parade route, you're not allowed to leave to go see the special performers. So it's not as glamorous as it sounds. So the parade during Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, yes. The parade when it's being filmed, no. It's not for the casual visitor. It's not for somebody who's just coming to enjoy the park. I would actually avoid the park on that day. Also keep in mind that the Christmas parade is designed uh, for daylight hours. It's being done at, it's a it's a daytime parade being done at night. So the lighting isn't always I've always found the lighting yeah, wasn't always that great. And that that parade, but it's still really cool to watch. It is really cool. The the toy soldiers coming down Main Street, that is really cool, and uh, and the dancing gingerbread, and that Mickey's very merry Christmas parade goes from Christmas. Uh, I think it's the twenty fourth through the thirty first. They do have like a twelve thirty or th- and three o'clock parade in the daytime during uh, the holiday season, so you can catch it then. Oh, okay. Uh, so they do two parades during that ho- holiday time. 
I actually am not that big a fan of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. I just I don't I think it's it's usually very very crowded, yeah. and the highlight of it is the parade. Well, I think for me the highlight is a toss up between the parade and Holiday Wishes when they do the special edition of yes Holiday Wishes. Yes, I think is that it's also a really compelling reason for me. Those two things alone are worth going to snow on Main Street. Is nice. snow, snow on Main, Main Street, Street. The caroling, the hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. You know, okay, that that all works. You know, but. I mean, in the last year, they eliminated the the photo op, the free photograph. You know, they took that away and increased the price a little bit. So, you know, there's some plus and minus. Well, that's always, that's Disney's M.O. Give less, charge more. Charge so. more, yeah. Until they reach that peak where people aren't doing it and then they readjust. But I always, I do it once, I go once a year for that. The other perk of uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is that uh, rides are open late. It's a hard-ticketed event, so yep. if you didn't get on rides during the day, you might be able to get there and get on a couple of the, the e-ticket rides, quote-unquote. There's also the special holiday show that they do in Tomorrowland yes. in that theater next to Carousel of Progress. I can't remember the name of it. It's a Mickey's uh, happy, night, happy Night or something. They read a Christmas bedtime story or something. Year of a Million and a whole bunch wishes. of characters come out and dance on stage dressed in character stuff. That's a cool thing. Well, and the uh, Christmas party, we're going to have a link to it in the show notes for its dates and all that, all the booking information. But you're looking at $51 for adults 10 and up and just over $42 for children ages 3 through 9. So it's not necessarily an inexpensive evening. Yeah. Right. But I think if you're, in, if you're in Disney World for the holidays, mm-hmm. you can't miss Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. You can't. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Now, one of the, uh, one of the other uh, big attractions in the theme parks for Christmas uh, has got to be the Osborne family lights at the Disney MGM yeah, studios. This, uh, this past year was really, really good. Yeah. Um, they really did some synchronizing of the music and the lights. And yeah. What they did was they took, uh, you know, well, for those of you not familiar with the Osborne family lights, let me be, uh, give you a little background. Um, this guy, Jennings Osborne, where was he from? Like Alabama, Arkansas, no, Arkansas, um, had uh, you know his daughter wanted Christmas lights on the house, and apparently the man is OCD, and went out and bought literally like five million Christmas lights, and yeah. bought like three houses around him so he could like put on this display that could be be seen from space, and uh, I guess his neighbors had a problem with all the you know lights and foot the traffic. planes landing on the street. Exactly, it was crazy. So uh, they, his, I guess the town council or whoever had forced him to take the lights down, and Disney saw a good opportunity and said, hey, come decorate our back lot. This is when the back lot was still open at MGM. And since that is closed, what they've done now is they've moved it over to New York Street. When they first moved it, I was a little hesitant because I was a big fan of the back lot being decorated. They really have done a great job. They did a great yeah. job with New York Street. They really the fir- did. The first year, not so much, but the la- last year they... He added the things like the uh, the gas stove well, thing. Well, he also synchronized it to music. Yeah, and and using a, a track from or a couple different tracks from Mannheim Steamroller, right? Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Why am I thinking Mannheim? They sound the same. They do. Trans Siberian Orchestra and the lights are uh, the lights basically dance to the mute with the music. When and, they first talked about this, I was again a little skeptical. I thought, all right, dancing lights. 
very cool effect. Yeah. And it only happened like once every 15 minutes. And it lasted three or four minutes, but it was really well done. I'm almost certain we have video up on we, the site. We do. We do. We do. Also, uh, I'll have they, a link to that in the show notes as well. They make it snow on New York Street during the whole thing. Yeah. So that's and, very cool. And they have the hot chocolate. And yeah. unlike Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, this is not a hard ticket event. This is included with your admission to uh, MGM. And it's probably one of the biggest draws for me at MGM these days. Uh, I definitely always get to Osborne at least once a year. Yeah, it's a must-see. It's a, one of those must-sees. Yeah. So. The other nice thing is there's some little hidden things that they don't really advertise. There are hidden Mickeys. There's something called the Pink Cat. I don't know if anybody knows about that every year. They yeah. had a Pink Cat, one of the Osborne kids was a fan of cats and the father used to hide a pink cat in the Christmas lights so you have to find the pink cat as you're walking around please stop saying pink cat there's like <laughs> there's like 27 hidden mickeys uh, around 2730 somewhere around there and there's some visual you know humor that they add to it different each year so it's fun MGM is one of those parks where for the most part it's not uh, decorated that great. There's a tree out front, and they put some lights on the the entry street that you come in. But the the destination is the Osborne lights. The exception to that is the Brown Derby. Remember we went to the Brown Derby this year. I do. I'm looking forward to it again. And it was just classically decorated for Christmas. It felt like Christmas. Mm. It had a very 1940s, 1950s feel to it. Just very elegant. But again, it's a theme park restaurant. So if you were there in your shorts and your sweatshirt, you would still feel comfortable. Mm. But it was just decorated beautifully. And again, their menu is seasonal, so they do change it up around the holidays. So it was really nice. I have some facts about the Christmas decorations for Walt Disney World. Sure. There's 3,000 Christmas wreaths, or wreaths. There's 100, uh, 1,500 Christmas trees, and the tallest one is about 70 feet tall, and that's over in front of the contemporary. And uh, then, in addition, there's other trees that are 45 feet to 70 feet, and they're throughout the park. Uh, 11 miles of garland. Is used wow, and so those those are some. And of that's it. just what Bob uses to decorate his cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when, again, talking about the backstage magic tour. Part of the backstage magic is you go through the Christmas warehouse, and they start refurbishing the decorations for Christmas season the day after they come down. Yep, and they work resort by resort and then park by park. It's a great part of the tour if you're interested in doing that. I thought it was fascinating. As Kevin was mentioning, his his favorite, I think my favorite, I think it might be actually everybody's favorite, is uh, Candlelight Processional over at, at Epcot. Why don't you talk a little bit more about it, Kevin? The Candlelight Processional is something they do every year. It runs from the day after Thanksgiving until usually a day or two after New Year's Eve. And it's an evening show. There are usually three shows a night. And it's choirs visiting choirs who sing uh, both religious and secular songs with the Disney Choir and the Voices of Liberty. And it's performed every night. There's always a guest narrator who tells the Christmas story. And they are usually here for a couple of days. They do two or three days. And the schedule is posted on the Diz. You can also purchase a package where you include dinner 
with the Candlelight Processional. The Candlelight Processional is open to the public, and it's free. By purchasing the dinner package, you're um, given a reserved seat. And the people who have the Candlelight Processional package are allowed to enter the theater first. The remaining seats are given to the people who are in the standby line. The tickets uh, for the packages went on sale July 2nd. And some of the more popular dates sell out pretty quickly. It's my understanding that Christmas Eve is fairly well booked at this point. But you might want to give them a call at Disney Dining and see if you can make your reservation. The way the package works, um, for instance, there's tiers of restaurants. There's an A, B, and C tier. And we've made... John and I have a tradition where we spend Christmas Eve in Epcot at the Candlelight Processional and we have dinner at La Cellier. It's $47.99 a person. It includes your non-alcoholic drink, an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. You have dinner first and you pay at the restaurant. Once you've paid for your package, you're given a pass to go over and get in line in the package line at the America's Theater in front of the American Pavilion and get to see the show. We've been doing this for several years now, and it's just become a tradition. I was on the phone at 6.45, waiting for the 6.59 opening of Disney Dining on Monday. Yep, me too. Wow. And And important to know, you don't need a ticket to see Candlelight Processional. It's included in your park admission. However, it's a very popular event. And it's really tough to get there to see it on standby, the standby line, unless you you get there really early. You can do it. Usually, my... Tip would be try to get for the first show. Try to get there early enough to do the first show because you actually may stay in line through another show. Well, I also do. I, I do want to talk more about the tier system so people really understand what the difference between tier A, tier B, and tier C. It's a, a cho- your choice of restaurant, and I apologize. I don't have the actual. I do. I have them. I have them up right here. Um, tier one. Now that you can do this for a, a lunch show, which is. Um, for you have lunch and then see the five o'clock uh, candlelight processional show or the dinner package, which applies to the six forty-five and eight fifteen candlelight processionals. But uh, tier one restaurants are Beer Garden in Germany and the Garden Grill at the Land. Tier two is the San Angel Inn in Mexico, Nine Dragons Restaurant in China, Rose and Crown in the UK, and Restaurant Marrakesh in Morocco. And tier three is Le Cellier, Chefs de France. Uh, Mitsukoshi Teppanyaki. <laughs> we have it on the site as Italian Restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was changed because no one knew what the new <laughs> the new name is. Yeah, it just says Italian Restaurant Italy on the site, and then of course the Coral Reef. Now, uh, my recommendations personally in Tier One, I would go with Garden Grill over Beer Garden. In tier One, I would go with Tier Two. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually, I would, but. Uh, in Tier 2, uh, Rose and Crown and Marrakesh, I think, certainly beat out San Angel and Nine Dragons food-wise. In Tier 3, you're looking at, uh, well, I, I would say anything but Coral Reef. I find, because of the way we celebrate Christmas, that places like Rose and Crown and Le Cellier decorate closer to the Christmas decorations that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, Restaurant Marrakesh would not say Christmas to me, but no, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, we've had some great memories from Christmas Eve 
Yeah, we celebrate with Bob and his family every Christmas Eve now. We don't usually get a table together because we're such a large party. But then we all go see the candlelight processional on Christmas Eve together. And then check out what everybody eats. You know, I've never been to see it. Really? No. Oh, my God. Can you believe How that? is that possible? I know. I'm just thinking, how is that possible? <laughs> the other thing, too, is about going to see it without having a ticket. You can also stand outside the theater right. and Listen. still enjoy it. So you don't have to be in the seating. But you guys should definitely go. Yeah. I mean, now, just to reiterate what you were talking about getting in line early, this line becomes unbelievably long. Yeah. I mean, it wraps halfway around the World Showcase. If you get in line in front of the America's Pavilion, it's not unusual, unusual to have the line extend back to Germany. Yeah. So I've I mean, seen it. Right. And that theater, while it looks small when you're looking at it, really does absorb a lot of people. So don't let the line put you off. Right. And then possibly the worst park for Christmas. Uh, Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Animal Kingdom. They should yeah. put ornaments on the Tree of Life. On the animals. Huge ornaments. Well, they have a, they have a Christmas tree outside as you're coming in, and it has decorations of different animals on the tree, and it, it's it's nicely decorated. I mean, they do they do little things around the park. It's yeah. a much more natural Christmas. It's a much more ecological Christmas. That's probably my problem. It's <laughs> all you know. Nature and Christmas don't go hand in hand. Really, we artificial and Christmas go hand in big hand. red bows. And they do more with raffia and animal ornaments and things like that. And if you go over near uh, Lion King show, you can find Mickey and Minnie dressed up in, in Christmas garb, and they have lines there to uh, that you can get autographs. Yeah, and but pictures it's safari of, Christmas I garb. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then they have the Jingle Jungle expedition that uh, is the their three o'clock parade version, whatever time they. They run it, but Mickey's, they're all decked out in Christmas and the bubbles are blown, and it's, that's pretty cool. I wonder if they'll do something special with Everest. This I was year. just thinking that because it, it wasn't open last year. For put itself. a star on the top. Oh, yeah, it was. Never mind. I'm thinking. Put a red Santa hat on the Yeti. On the Yeti, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any number of things. Well, they need to do something. They need to have a big draw at AK, like Animal Kingdom, like they do at the other three parks. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, you know, Magic Kingdom's got Mickey's Very Merry. Epcot's got Candlelight Processional. MGM's got Osborne Family Lights. What is it? A- a- Animal Kingdom just has the Jam and Jingle. Was it Jam and Jingle Jungle Parade? Something yeah. like that? The Jingle Jam and Jungle Parade. Well, whichever. <laughs> I got all the words are there. They're just <laughs> not in the right order. Yeah, name is lame. Well, they have Goofy over there dressed up as Santa also that you can get a picture of him. Uh, Santa Goofy? Santa Goofy, yeah. So that's in past years. to spend you 70 bucks. You know, you know what Disney should do this year? Do you remember, um, oh, I'm going to get this messed up. Good. What, what was it, American Idol, where they had the African Boys Choir oh, show up? They were spectacular. They were spectacular. They should grab them for oh, Animal Kingdom. Oh, that would be so awesome. Those kids were so cute and so I never good. saw so many kids have such a genuine smile on their yeah. face. What a great idea. I pat what a, what a what a great uh, what a great Christmas show that would be. That would that be would, you're absolutely right. I think you all should call Disney and request it. Yep, you've got six months. Yeah, really make it happen, people. <laughs> Come on, get on it. But um, and like I said, this is by no means an exhaustive list of everything there is to do in the parks. Um, we would need to take do entire sh- entire shows just dedicated to that. And we're going to discuss. Obviously, we'll be discussing the holidays more as the time draws closer. But uh, 
like I said, we want to uh, just kind of cover some of the basics, things you need to know, things we we think you should know. One of the things that we always talk about is taking time to enjoy the small stuff. And the holidays are really a perfect time to do that, to really absorb the stuff that's not the big ticket event. The things that aren't the Osborne lights and the candlelight celebration, they do small things throughout the park all day and all evening. It's really one of those times to go in and just, you know, soak up the extra stuff. All right. Now, next week, we're going to discuss um, in our next uh, segment on Christmas in July, we're going to discuss uh, holidays on board the Disney Cruise Line. For those of you that are thinking about doing a cruise uh, in December, uh, Disney Cruise Line does some really neat stuff uh, for the holidays. We're going to cover that next week. Well, that'll wrap it up for this segment. It's also going to wrap it up for our show this week. Uh, I do want to apologize to everyone. Uh, for not getting the video up last week. I know I had said in the show there was going to be some video going up. Um, had a little problem with the video, and we were getting the show ready last week, and then, of course, I got sick and was sick pretty much up until yesterday. <laughs> so it has not had a chance. I have not had a chance to get it up. I will work on that sometime this week. We'll get it up. So uh, we're going to be back uh, in just a little while with our email show. For those of you not staying with us, we hope you have a great 4th of July a holiday this week, and we'll be back with you next Tuesday with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening.